Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Common English Bible, and our reading for today comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words. God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the parable for today is a favorite of mine. And one of the reasons is that the prayer contained in it is one that I use on a regular basis. And I think that in this short reading, we get a very profound and sometimes hard to work with truth. In our reading from Luke's Gospel for today, Jesus tells a parable, and he tells it to, as we are told, certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Now, this itself is an interesting reason to be telling a parable. I think that even just pausing to address something that we see helps us to open up how deep this parable can go. It addresses something that happens all the time. We may not always see it, but it happens. And so we have Jesus telling this parable so that people looking down on others would stop and reflect on what they're doing. And we begin with two guys in the temple. They're there to pray. One a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The holy man versus the outcast sinner. Now, normally, you would expect the Pharisee, the holy man, to be the one to look at. But the Pharisee's prayer is, well, sad. He is thankful. He's not like everyone else, the crooks and the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. Thank God I'm not that guy. I follow the rules. I give what I should give. I practice my spiritual disciplines like I should. I do things right. And then we get the tax collector. He doesn't even want to raise his eyes. He's standing at a distance, ashamed of getting too close. And we get this prayer. God, show mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus gives us the honest truth. 
The text collector goes away justified to his home, and the Pharisee doesn't. And we get a common teaching in the Gospels. Those that build themselves up, those that puff themselves up, they will be brought low. And those that humble themselves and make themselves low will be lifted up. A reversal of how things are in the kingdom of God. Now, the reason that this prayer is a favorite for me is because in many ways, I think it's the simplest and most honest prayer that we can give. The brevity helps to make sure that we don't overcomplicate things. We have a lot of examples of prayers and lots of ways we can pray. People make whole books out of it. You can find collection after collection of ways to pray and how to pray. But I know I use this one all the time. And I say it here every week at least on Sunday morning. Now you may ask yourself, when have you said that? I haven't heard that prayer in everything we've been saying. But for me, it's a personal prayer, and I say it here when there's those moments of silence, when there's time for silent prayer, when there's a moment of reflection that is just me and God. And this is the prayer that comes easiest to me. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The reason I think this is such an easy prayer is that it it covers a lot, that in its simplicity it recognizes two great things. That I need God's help, and God's help is there. I need God's love, God's love is there. I need God's mercy, God's mercy is there. I don't have to spell out what my sins are. God knows them. I don't have to proclaim how terrible and fallen I am, pushing myself into the mud just to declare how terrible I am as a human being. Instead, it's a prayer that recognizes that I fail while recognizing that God can help me succeed. Before I lift myself up and think that I am especially worthy of God, I remember that we all have failings. And I recognize them in myself so that I don't judge them in others. And that's the failing that we see with the Pharisee, looking down on everyone else, blind to his own failing. Because he thinks he's so much better. Now, there is, of course, a very fun problem we can run into. Thinking that if I pray this way and I lower myself, that makes me so much better. And then, there we are again, wanting to judge others by what we are willing to admit about ourselves without thinking about what the full ramifications of that are. And it's an easy thing to do. We can turn the tax collector's prayer into the Pharisee's prayer simply by looking down on others. Because it's easy to look at somebody and go, I'm glad that's not me. 
You can look at somebody with different political views. And you go, thank God I don't share their views. I'm a good person. Thank God I am not one of them. Anytime we look at somebody with a difference of opinion, on almost any matter, anywhere, we can look down on them and lift ourselves up. You want a great example of this. You can find it in clergy. I see it all the time. You can look at the church. And almost every division that pops up, everything that tries to divide us, the things that push us apart from each other, are when we begin to think of ourselves the same way that the Pharisee does. Thank God I'm not like them, because I know God is on my side, because God agrees with me. I sure am glad God thinks how I think. And that's the hubris that we find. I see it all the time. Now you might say, well, doesn't God share my views? And I'm sorry, you're asking the wrong guy. Now, some of you might be surprised by that revelation. How can I serve and worship God if I don't know if he thinks like I do? Because God will never think like we do. We shouldn't strive to hope that we think like God because we can't. Not happening. Sorry. This is laid out for us in many different ways. God's ways are not our ways because God's ways are better. That when Job and his friends are discussing everything about God, God pops up and asks, how much do you actually understand about me? How much could you ever hope to understand? Constantly, Jesus is having tricked the disciples and point back in the right direction because they get to thinking that things must happen the way they expect them to happen. And it often happens when we start thinking too much that God thinks like us. And we look down on others who may think differently. And when we're looking down, that's when we are most likely to see Christ. Down there helping to lift others up. We like to think it's not a rampant problem. But most divisions we have in the church come down to this. You have to understand the Bible the way I understand the Bible because God agrees with me. People like to talk about the authority of Scripture without ever thinking about the fact that they have made themselves the authority on who the authority is.
The difference being, being able to trust God, knowing you could be wrong, or wanting to replace God, thinking that God must think like you. So this is a tough teaching. No why there. But it's also tough because we all want to think, I am like the tax collector. And then feel good about it. And we have to ask, why do we feel good about it? Do we feel good about it because then we're not like the Pharisee? Because doesn't that make us just like the Pharisee? Now, I know what you're about to say. You really suck all the joy out of this, don't you? (laughs) No. I'm not killing the joy, but I'm redirecting the joy. Because there's plenty of joyful things about. There's plenty to have hope for. There's plenty to be joyful about. And it comes back to that prayer. God, show your mercy to a sinner like me because I know your help is there. And there's the joy. Because if we truly believe that God's mercy is there and that God's love is there for us, that Christ has opened the door for us to be able to reach out and say we need that help and for Christ to go, well, here it is. Then it enables us to share in that love and share in that mercy. To let his love be our love. And to let his mercy be our mercy. Instead of looking down on people going, gosh, how sad it must be to have your problems. To have your views. That we say, Christ is there for me and I know Christ is there for you. And there's got to be something bigger than our division. Because if God loves a sinner like me, then how great is God's love? And how much must there be to love in all God's creation? How much more is there to love when we stop looking down? And it enables us to go beyond self. God doesn't want us to sit there just kicking ourselves either. He doesn't want us to be made low by thinking that we are unworthy worms unable to ever do anything. It's not how God sees us. It's at least not how I see God. Because then we get the wrong idea. Because then we beat ourselves up to the point that we refuse to even ask for that mercy because we think that we are never worthy. We never open ourselves up to the love because we feel the love is beyond us. Because that love shouldn't be something we always look at and think that we're never going to have. But it should be something we look at and think that love is for me. And that love is for us. No matter who that us is. Because when we view ourselves not looking down on others, but with others, 
then it means that we are in community, that we are together, not separated by whatever opinions it is that we think cause us to be so divided that we can never be together, but to be united because we are loved and we are all offered the same mercy and grace. And on top of that, above all else, simply that we are loved. That we are not wretched and we are not without hope. None of us is wretched beyond hope. None of us is so fallen that there is nothing for us. Because there's a love that wants to dwell within us and be extended through us. Not by looking down on others, but by looking out for others. Not in seeing the world as so broken that nothing can be done to fix it, but that God loves us so much that he would suffer humiliation and death to expose us to that love. That we are not so unworthy as to always be looking down on ourselves, but that Christ has looked upon us with love and given us hope. Because that's what this prayer says to me. That God, if you love me, in spite of my mistakes, you can love anyone in spite of their mistakes. And if you can love anyone in spite of their mistakes and their flaws, Lord, enable me to love everyone in spite of mistakes and flaws. Don't let me see them as flawed people who I need to look down on because they need me. But let me see them as objects of your love and mercy, as your children, and recognize that I need others so that I can love, so that I can show mercy, so that I can be loved, so that I can receive mercy. So that even a sinner like me has hope. Amen.